This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Vantage here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. Today, I'm here with Kim Meichi, also known as Kim from Coco Dry. If you haven't known it already, Coco Dry is a blow-dry bar salon here in Kuala Lumpur. And within the span of four years, Coco Dry has expanded to three branches with its recent one here in KL Platinum Park. So today, I want to talk to her about her business and how she has been managing her role as a founder and CEO of Coco Dry. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much for having me again, Lily. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on. Now, looking through your background, we did a little bit of research on you. Uh, you were in Red Bull under their marketing wing and you have you were at an <laughs> advertising agency as well. And I love a job that caught my eye, right? You were a secret service evaluator. Yes, I was. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys did your digging. Wow, very good research. I, we, we can't help, right? Because it's so interesting that, you know, one of the skills that you develop is actually spy skills spying skills yes so tell me how all of this has impacted your past experience your past working experience has influenced what you are doing now at coco dry well i think this is really interesting because there's so many people who graduated that always ask me how do you know your path what is your purpose? But the thing is, you can never have it all figured out. It is always a process, mm. right? So how being a service evaluator started was, I love clothes. So at that time, when they reached out to me, I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's like spying, yeah. you know, on like services. And I said yes immediately because they offer, you know, a flexible working hours as well mm. at the time when I was a college student. And being a service evaluator has taught me the importance of consistency, in customer service. It's always the little things right. that actually matter. Like when you step in the store, how yes. do they serve you? And when yes. you leave, what do they say, right? Exactly. And through the eyes of a consumer, not from a business owner point of view. And even back in advertising agency as well, I'm so grateful to have my bosses that give me so much opportunity and guided me as well. So even as my role, I was, they call me a hybrid because <laughs> I was an account executive right. and a strap planner at the same time. But even though I came in as an account executive, so my colleague Dennis, he was always doing strap planning and I was like, oh my God, that sounds so cool. I want to learn more. And my boss was like, if you want to, why not? Jump on board. And I was like, sure. And from then on, I learned so much about building a pitch deck, pitching ideas. And that's how I built, you know, I co career together and I started learning, you know, how to pitch to investors. And all this is actually through my experiences mm. in advertising and even working with people. Honestly, this is not easy for me because at one point when I was younger, it was always about winning an argument, <laughs> winning this, winning that. Right. But it's not. My boss actually taught me sometimes it's, you have to learn how to focus on the big picture when it comes to dealing with people. It's always about how do you want the outcome to be? So what if you win in this argument? Is it going to be hard to work with those people in the future? Mm. And he taught me a very rapid lesson that I always like carry this on mm. until today. So do you think um, for you know young graduates out there, do you think it's wise to immediately step into entrepreneurship or do you think that it is somewhat necessary to go out and work with other people first to really get the know-how as to how you manage people and how you manage your own business? 
I think it really depends because there are so many successful entrepreneurs that never had any relevant experiences in the workplace and they thrive. And there are also so many entrepreneurs that had years of experiences in corporate that they implemented. So it really depends on their personal journey and you just got to trust the process. Mm. Yeah, so for me, it's do what feels right for you. Hmm. Yeah, if you feel like you're not confident enough, go get a job. Go and learn from other people. But let's say if you feel that I'm confident enough to like kickstart this right away, sure, go ahead. Hmm. <laughs> and I really love the point that you wanted to learn something and you just grab the opportunity to do it, right? It's it's about when you want something, go get it, not sit there and wait for opportunities to come to you. Right? I know. Okay, when it comes to this, right, there's this quote. Good things come to those who wait. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> how does that work? Like, good things come to those who go for it, right? You can't just wait there and expect things to just fall, mm-hmm. like, into place. It doesn't work like this. Don't wait. Go for it. The lucky girl syndrome is when, when you work for it. It's not yes. sitting there, writing down goals and staring at it, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. We all wish it was that easy <laughs> <laughs> okay uh you again you run coco dry it is a blow dry salon a bar salon for those who didn't know a blow dry bar means a salon that focuses on washing drying and hair styling not so much on the cutting or dyeing no thing. chemical services and we also do natural treatments mm-hmm. as well but uh, Coco Dry was not really the first blow-dry bar, but there was a shop that was a shop yes, called, called uh, Dry Parlor in Bangsar. They opened in 2013 and yes. closed down in 2015, right? Yes. But so this is just one, I guess, one example of, I wouldn't say failed a blow-dry bar business, but it didn't work out for them, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you do? I guess you did market research first before going ahead to start a business. But looking at a few examples that you know didn't really last long, why, why did you still decide to go ahead with the business? Because I'm stubborn. Because <laughs> I did ask myself, if I don't do it now, will I regret in the future if I see someone doing it well? And also at the same time, sometimes it's not about the business idea. It's the people that run it. I mean, I just look at social media, for example. I mean, on top of Facebook, there were so many, like, friends though yeah like for example they didn't make it it's not about the business idea it's the people that run it that mm, make a difference right. but of course research is very important as well so I knew about the place and I knew that it closed down and I started asking around if anyone knew who was behind the business and I was so fortunate and so lucky that the founder of Dry Partner was a mutual friend and I actually took the initiative to text her Wow. And ask her out and to get her war stories, what she did right, what she wished she could have done. And she was so gracious to share her experiences with me. And from that on, I knew that I cannot repeat the same mistakes that she did. Wow, I really love the fact that you actually talked to them about how they, I don't say fail, yes. but how they didn't sustain, right? Yes, how they didn't, how they didn't manage to sustain because to me, I need the answer. Yeah, I need to know. And not just that, here I am trying to pitch my idea to investors and they will be asking me the same question. And if I can't even answer it, how? if I can't even convince myself, how can I convince other people to invest in my business? Am I right? I really yeah. I And really on top of that. that, I actually flew to UK as well. Me, shamelessly, <laughs> LinkedIn, DM, Instagram, email, blow-dry bar founders as well in the UK. And I think I emailed about like, 
eight to nine people and I actually met up with three blow dry bar founders and they were also very nice to agree to meet a random stranger <laughs> who came all the way from Malaysia wanting to know about the blow dry scene in London and what was their strategy to, to make it a success in London. And from our conversation, I've learned a lot and how I would like to position Coco Dry in Malaysia and what are the, the gaps that we could feel here. So you learn from the both sides, right? Yes. Business that didn't sustain and the businesses that actually made it in, yeah. in other markets. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I can't help but to ask this question, right? Uh, you, you did say in an interview in, with BMW last uh, in, in April that you wanted to start a business that resonates with your values, right? Women empowerment and then community building and sustainability as well. Yes. So can you... Tell me why these three things and how these work together in your business and leadership now. Yes. So that three pillars. Number one, women. I think it has always been something that I feel very, very connect to, connected to, especially when it comes to how I was being brought up, childhood. And I always love to see women thrive, women stepping out of their comfort zone. And how I actually implement this in my business is actually empower from within, even from my team members. And I always tell them that it's not, I don't expect you guys to work with me forever. Work for me forever. It's about working together to build dreams together and offering them opportunities to grow. And they'll tell you things like, oh, Kim likes to push me. (laughs) Kim likes to force people. (laughs) But that's also because I tell them that because I would like to see you getting out of your comfort zone because that's how you learn. And I have people who believe in me. And sometimes this is so important to, to just encourage a person to take that leap of faith to do something that they are not even confident mm. in themselves so this is very important to me you know when it comes to women empowerment and even in terms of community building as well I would say it works hand in hand together like when it comes to Mother's Day we actually hosted you know like moms together we bring them together to pamper them and even on top of that during Women's Day this year so what we did was we actually collaborated with Cult Creative to actually host an event of building vision boards to encourage them to don't be afraid to chase their dreams and then just manifest and go for it believe in yourself and even last year we actually collaborated with Ox White Mm -hmm. to come up with You've Got Tits yeah yeah and also to raise funds breast cancer survivors and on top of that we're going to host a session um, you know to give cancer survivors a makeover session from all backgrounds all ages so you know they're just like talking laughing and you know connect them and and sharing their journey Mm -hmm. and how they actually get through this yeah, so to me, it's always doing well by doing good. Hmm. Even White Flag campaign, we actually raised funds. Yeah, we have actually done pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, there are so many things that you've done. Yes, yes, exactly. And even when it comes to natural products, honestly, I will never sell anything that I don't believe in in Cocoa Dry. Every single product, every single brand that we're using is vetted through by me hmm. personally. Right. For instance, Davinus, one of the brands I work with, they are a B Corp certified corporation, which means they actually meet the highest standards of you know, like environmental impact in order for you to get B Corp mm-hmm. certified. And even last year, we actually traveled to Italy to see how they actually use recycled materials for their buildings, their gardens, renewal, like energy and everything. It's just like, wow, like they are so much ahead of what we're doing here. And I'm just so like grateful to be working with them, especially a brand that share the same values as us. So if you ask me, is Cocora sustainable? No, but we are a work in progress. 
Mm. Yeah. It's not something that you can do overnight, right? That sustainability is something yes. incremental. Whenever you can implement it, you 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 will. But mm. it's not an easy task. But mm. as long as you keep one step at a time. Yes, right? because they even have a lot of initiative like planting tree initiative, <laughs> picking up rubbish by the beach. And these are all the little things that we can do, you know, mm. as a community-driven company to right. make that tiny bit of difference on earth. Mm. So... You've been running Coco Drive for four years now. So can you tell me, how would you measure your success today? Do you think you're successful? (laughs) Like measure my success personally or like in business? I guess both, right? Because I feel like your business has seeped into into your personal life of how you view yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So both, right? How would you measure it? Do I consider myself successful? I don't think so because I have an idea of what I want to achieve and I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm very contented and grateful for everything that I have right now. Also, if I'm able to be present in every aspect of my life, I would consider myself successful because right now I'm a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a wife, I'm, you know, a business owner, I'm this, I'm that. I have to wear a lot of hats all the time and sometimes... It's like sometimes you're floating around and you don't really feel grounded. So when I feel successful is when I'm present and I'm giving myself 100% in every single situation. Because if you measure success by goals, it will never be enough because you will always be pushing your goalposts further and further. And I would say it's the feeling, success is the feeling of me finding peace, the contentment with what I do every single day. And I feel like I'm living a life with purpose. It's not like I wake up every single day, I feel lost, I feel sad. And I don't think anyone would ever want to feel that way. So that's how I would measure success. I mm. really, really love that. I'm here with Kim Meiji, also known as Kim from Coco Dry. Coco Dry is a blow-dry bar salon here in KL. She has been running it for four years now and she has expanded it to three branches with its recent one in KL Platinum Park. Our, we need to head into some messages, but don't go anywhere. Uh, this is Her Vantage here on BFM 89.9. Build fortunes modestly. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Her Vantage here on BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Dili Chai. I'm here with Kim Meiji, also known as Kim from Coco Dry. Again, Coco Dry is a blow dry bar salon in KL, and she has expanded to three branches. It's recent one here in KL Platinum Park. So I want to talk about management and leadership styles because um, it's written that one of uh, entrepreneurs' sicknesses is micromanaging. And, you know, Coco Dry cannot do without people, right? It's very mm. people-centric. Yes, stylists, it is. You have makeup artists. You have so many people in just to, to man your salon. And it's nothing... I don't think automation is can be considered in any part of the process, right? Yes, unless I robots, but no, you wouldn't have the human touch either. <laughs> so training is so important, right? So during the start of your business, did you have the tendency to micromanage? I don't think so. Actually, I would say I didn't even know what I was getting myself into when I started. <laughs> I never like micromanaging. Mm-hmm. I think partially it's because I don't like being micromanaged. But has your management style or leadership style mm-hmm. changed over the years? 
Yes, definitely has changed from time to time. Even my personality does. Sixteen personalities change from time to time too. Because mm. I think running a business it requires you to adapt into a very different person, especially when it comes to leading your team. My patience level has increased significantly, and all my team members will say Kim is very patient. Kim is very nice. Well, you haven't met me before I started my business yet. <laughs> <laughs> How were you uh, at the beginning, like the first year of your business? I think because I had many bosses. Mm. When I was working, and I knew the kind of boss that I wanted to become, I would say there are cert- certain things that I'm still very similar in terms of like the way I talk to people. I always give chances. They'll say that I'm too kind. Little things like that. I'm very positive. That never change. So what change would be? You have to be very versatile. You have to speak with different personalities, using different techniques to get to them, for them to understand what are you trying to to convey, to to motivate them. Because everyone actually has very different things that fuels them, yeah. things that drains them, and you have to figure that out because you cannot be there to handhold them. But the key is to find out what fuels them, what motivates them, mm. and what drains them. Because the thing. About a job is it's very hard for you to like every single aspect of your job. But even as an entrepreneur, I'm sure that there are you know like certain departments that you just love and you're passionate in, and there are other departments that you just it's not your thing. But you have to do it either how, and it drains you. So it's really figuring that part out as well. Mm. And can I ask how do you deal with? I don't like to put this in this way, for lack of a better word. Difficult employees or employees that don't align with you. I would say the way I deal with employees right now and back then is so different. Back then, I always give chances, and people will always ask. This person is underperforming. Why is Kim still retaining her? Because I see a potential, and I hope that this person will change. Mm. But over the time, bad apples are real. And the moment you spot a bad apple, you gotta let it go. No matter how good that person is, no matter how much sales she brings to the company, mm. because it will change your company culture. And it was a very hard decision for me, but I've learned to be stern, to take action when it is necessary. Because you're doing it for the team, you're not doing it for yourself. Because there was this one person that actually told me, "You always put so much effort in the people who are underperforming." And you overlook the people who are performing well. Where does attention go? Where do you want to leave your attention? And that they are affecting other people. That they are toxic. Little mm. things like that. You got to do what you need to do. Even though if they bring money in, yes, that's the thing I that have done do. that before. And honestly, within a month, you can see the culture shift in a company. People are just lighter, happier. We all spend a lot of time at work, right? And you want to be surrounded with people that uplift you, that motivates you, that you feel happy working with. And let's say there are people who are constantly like pulling you down. Mm. That's not the culture that I want in Coco Trend. Like you say, it's very, very people centric. Mm. So hence, people are everything to us. Okay, it doesn't sound like an easy. I don't think these are the things that you thought of when you started your business, right? You really don't know what you sign up for. <laughs> And I'm honestly, I'm very, very grateful because when you think about it, at every aspect of your life, you need to learn how to be good with people. Mm. We are. Social animal at the end of the day. Even if it's in an office environment, even if you're just an employee, you have to deal with people. You have to deal with people every single day. Mm. But another thing is dealing with people 
is the hardest, but it is also the most rewarding. Right. When you see your team members doing well, when you see them getting married, when you see them buying a house, buying cars because of you, because of the opportunity that you gave, seeing Thrive at the role which they were so scared to take on, but because you believe in them, you motivated them and that they are thriving right now. It's the best feeling ever and it is the most rewarding thing for me. It's not about the number of outlets that we've opened, it's the number of lives that, you know, we have made a difference in that matters at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about other people in your life then, not just your employees. Sure, who else? <laughs> uh, I, I also read that, you know, after you decided that you wanted to start uh, Coco Dry, mm-hmm. you, you kind of pitched this to your father, Simon Kim, right? And yes. a few of uh, his, I guess his friends, investors as well, right? Uh, Simon is also in the hair industry. He is in Penang, right? Uh, running yes. a salon. And he has been doing this for quite a while. And I guess what are the pros and cons of running the same mm. kind of business with your parents? My dad is it. Mm. Mm. Okay, here's a little backstory. So the reason why I left advertising was because my dad gave me a call and be like, Hey, Anira, how to come back to Penang? And you know, as a daughter, you can never say no to your dad. So I left advertising to help my dad out in Penang. Honestly, it was one of the most struggling times. Reason being, I had no experience in business. No one believed in me. And in hair industry, people always think that you're not a hairstylist. What do you know? Why mm-hmm. are you here telling us what to do? So I faced so many struggles. And not just that, I tried to bring people together. I hosted a team building activities. My dad had about 20 people in the team. After the team building, 10 people left. Yes, it was not easy and it was quite traumatic for me in terms of like, I was oh, I never want to be in this industry anymore. Right. I don't want to manage people. It, it's so hard. I tried my best, but it just didn't work out. But at that time, they were already leaving. It's just that the timing was just bad. So my dad kind of like dropped it on me, like as if it was me that cause that that cause so it was a very difficult moment for me as well and even on top of that I've always been listening to podcasts and the reason why the drive idea spoke to me was because my dad has been a hairstylist for more than I was born like <laughs> 30 over years so I thought to myself okay why not let's try even though I told myself I don't want to get into hair industry again I was traumatized by the experience mm-hmm. but then I started Coco Dry and I was so lucky because it thrived, right? And while my business thrived, my dad's business was struggling. It was really bad. And during the MCO, my dad was actually on the verge of giving everything up. Like, he just doesn't want to be a stylist anymore and he just doesn't like to manage people. It always mm. back to people. So I told my dad, Daddy, do you trust me or not? Like, why not let's work on this together? Let's, if you trust me enough, you're going to let go of your old branding. You've got to start all over again. Mm. Yeah, and let's do something together. Because her impression was a very old household name and it's just not appealing to the market anymore. So we did a rebrand to Wave Salon. And then we found a place and then my dad wanted to paint the wall black. He wants to use stainless steel. Like, Daddy, trust me. <laughs> and then he did. Yes, so that's how... We, Wave Salon was actually born and then we started from scratch and I would say in terms of the clientele, in terms of the vibe, everything is just so different from what he used to do and he's just so happy because he's doing what he loves every single day and he loves the beach and Wave Salon is by the beach in Penang. So yeah, so to answer your question, 
the reason why Coco Dry could make it or even Wave could make it was because of my dad. As simple as that. It's because I was born in this family. And even most of the conversations that my dad had with my mom mm. was about work, was about hair, like salon, how they run the business, what the mistakes that they make and what not to do. And I was just sitting at the back, silly to grow. I was hearing all this conversation growing up. And I also managed to see the gaps that weren't filled because every single hair salon was doing the same thing. And that's when I noticed that there was an opportunity in terms of the services that we provide, an opportunity in inclusivity as well. Because the thing is, like, hair salons are not inclusive. It's always, like, Malay salon for, like, hijabis and a Chinese salon Chinese aunties to cater to very Chinese customers so for us it's all about inclusivity so the moment when we started calling we know that we have to have a private room and even the private rooms that were in other salons mm. you need to pay Yeah, and we just don't believe in that and even when it comes to natural products every salon they do chemical services all their shampoos has so much silicone and so much sulfate in it mm-hmm. and it's not good for you in the long term wise and those are the gaps that we are trying to fill and even when it comes to shoes it's always white models and just not wrong with that but it's just that why can't we be more like localized you know like Mm -hmm. empower Malaysians Mm -hmm. yeah and I love that you know on your social media uh, regardless of the season Chinese New Year Raya Christmas whatsoever Mm -hmm. the dynamics is always the races, right? It, all mm. races are included. It, no one gets excluded. That's how you market yourself. I yes, think, even right? back to our team members as well. Even different races that work for us, it's not about your race or, you know, it's just about your attitude, your your, your skills and what you can bring to the table, you know, your, your drive in one thing to to be successful yeah. or to make things work. Yeah. I've been to your salon, few of your, actually all of your branches. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are a mix of different races as well. Yes. And they are not just, this is not just a female industry. You don't only hire like female stylists. Actually, but back then we did. You did? Because of women empowerment. Right. That was our pillar. And then one fine day, a man applied. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what do I do with this resume? And then I started thinking, you know, we always talk about women empowerment. We always talk about equal opportunity. And let's say if I turn him down just because he's a man, aren't we just doing the same thing? Yes. We do have hijabi customers. And our female stylists can always serve them, and right? And they can always still be in the private room. So it doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. So since then, we have been hiring men. Mm. Because I, I love the saying of, you know, men should be our allies. They are not our enemies when yes. it comes to, you know, equality, when it comes to female women empowerment, right? It's always a partnership. But... Oh, I feel like your your father really did like uh, he he played quite a big role, a, quite a significant one when it comes to you know uh, no matter if it's influence mm-hmm. or doing like the first uh, in, investment into starting your own business. And uh, actually, no, he didn't invest in my business. <laughs> did he? No. Then how did you get funding for the business? Yeah, I pitched to random investors. That's how I started. Okay, so how I raised funds was through a lot of strangers and how I identify the people that would be interested in my business was I look at the profile. It's either academies which our model could complement one another because they are graduates in a place to work with and for us is we need um, we need talents so mm. that's why we work with them right. and they would invest in us so one of our investors is actually beauty academies so my dad didn't put in 
any money. No, why did you pitch the business to him? <laughs> and the Actually, thing. it's not like I pitch. It's more that like I shat to him. Like right. I wanted to do this. And he's like, you're crazy. I knew that my dad would not have the money to invest. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so then you moved on to talk to investors. Pitch, yes. And then how uh, how many investors did you pitch to? And how many did you, did you get? Maybe so many. I think I pitched to more than 40 people. Yes, I even pitched to my husband's ex-girlfriend's <laughs> husband. Can you imagine? At a wedding. <laughs> and also the thing about me is that I'm very egoistic. I don't want anyone because the thing about successful women is they'll always credit your success to the people around you. Oh, because she's Anadato. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, because her husband is rich and I hate that. Because why can't you just credit the like the woman, you know, based on her capability rather than just family wealth. Like. Yeah, family wealth for anything that is 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 helping her. Like honestly, I know I'm privileged in the sense that if all else fail, I have a roof to live in. I don't have to worry about having meals on my table. I'm privileged that way, and I acknowledge that. Mm. But also at the same time, I wanted to see how far I can go on my own without depending on anyone. And also because I didn't want anyone to credit my success to anyone around me. Right. So that's the reason why. I went with that route and that I have no regrets because mm. it opened up so many doors right. that I've never imagined. So was it, uh, not scary, but was it daunting in the first few rounds when you tried to inv- uh, tried to pitch to investors? There are 40 over people. I don't yes. think all of them came through, right? No, I think around 10 of them came through. Okay. Yes. Did you feel like because of your past experiences mm-hmm. working with clients uh, in, in your previous agencies? Yes, that definitely worked. It didn't, it wasn't really daunting for you? Actually, I don't think it was daunting because number one, people always ask me, like how do you actually get people mm. to, to invest and in your business? And believe in your business, right? And oftentimes I can tell you, they're not investing in the business, they're investing in you as a person. And I'm actually very honest and open to them. I even tell them that I cannot guarantee that this is going to be 100% successful because every business has its risk. risk, right? But I will put my 200, 300% to make it happen, to make it successful. And I don't promise 100% like mm. success because that is not but, the reality. Let's mm, just face mm. it. But you promise your efforts and... Yes. Let me wrap up this conversation with, do you have a few roles in your life? You are a new mother. Yes. You're an entrepreneur. Yes. Which hat do you feel most comfortable wearing and why? A mom. The thing about Kobe, he's my son, he's six months old. He just came into my life unexpectedly. I didn't even plan him. My husband planned it. (laughs) (laughs) So... I've always been so scared of being a mom because like, I don't know if I have the time to give. I don't know if I'll be a good mom. I don't know if I'll raise him well. So many concerns. But the moment when he was born and just somehow, you just fit right into the role and like the love that you have for him is just crazy. And yeah, and that's the role that I feel most comfortable in, in my own natural element. Like I'm not even trying. Mm-hmm. Yes, but whereas in other roles, it's always about you know, putting your best foot forward, being the best version of yourself out there, you know, for a business, for a team members. And when you come home and you're with your family, and this is the only time that you can be yourself completely. 
And to me, people are like, oh, but you're not being yourself out there. No, but it's just all about like the responsibility that you have on you. You cannot just do, oh, today I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like working today. I'm not going to show up at work. Today I feel like scolding. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, it's about, you know, being professional and you have a lot of hats to wear and it's just part of the job and part of your role as a founder or, or a managing director of a business. And the only time where I can just feel completely myself and not feel afraid of like how I'm being looked at, how I'm being judged. Am I saying this right? Am I doing this well? That's when you're home. All right. I I think those are the questions that I have for you today, Kim. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me, as always. I've been speaking to Kim Meichi, also known as Kim, uh, from Coco Dry. So Coco Dry is a blow-dry bar salon in Kuala Lumpur, and she already expanded to three branches uh, with its recent one in KL Platinum Park. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can go ahead on our website at bfm.my or the BFM app that is available on the Apple App Store and Google Play to listen to the full conversation. I'm Lily Chai, and this has been Her Vantage here on BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.